We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Welcome to Kirk, Your Enthusiasm. You are joined by me, Kirk Henderson, Editor-in-Chief of Mavs Moneyball. And today, everyone's favorite, very intense gambling analyst, but also really just basketball watcher extraordinaire. There are few people who intake as much basketball as Matt Moore. How are you, Matt? Good. Glad to be robotically with you on right. Wednesday. Well, while twirling a hammer on a call, which I don't know if that hammer is meant for me or what. Um so I wanted to bring you in here because there's I don't know what to make of these first three games or two games. We've written a ton at Mavs Moneyball, but I still sort of walk away from this after the series is tied 2-2 to where if you're a jazz optimist, there's plenty of things to say, well, if they just do this. And then if you're a Mavs optimist, there's some hope that might not have been there now and so i i just sort of want to get your take on what's going on in this series what are like the next round of adjustments like what are the things that really interest you in this because this series was supposed to be kind of boring and it's been i think it's basketball nerd heaven yeah i think there's a lot to, to break down here um i mean i think look if you want to make things simple i think you can simplify this pretty well if Jalen has a good game, like let's let's talk about with Luca and without, right? Yeah, yeah. Without Luca, yeah, let's go if without Jalen or Spencer. Yeah, if Jalen or Spencer have a good game, and Maxi hits threes, the Mavs are going to win. If neither Jalen nor Spencer have a good game, or if only one of them has a good game and Maxi misses threes, the Mavs are going to lose. The best way I would tell you based off of doing the film work for this game, I did a big breakdown on action. It's coming out. I've got the game guide for tomorrow. I have like, this is my series for the first round in the West. Hmm. Um, so I'm locked into this one. The Mavericks control destiny here. And that's going to frustrate the jazz and jazz fans. They can't do anything. There's no adjustment coming because they can't bench their best player. Uh, best, arguably the best player. They can't do it. You know, either one of them, let's say. Right. Um, they can't bench him. And specifically, to me, this comes down to 
the Jazz can win the series if they can play drop again. If they can make it to where their guards don't have to handle in space because they got Rudy back there, just playing drop and roaming and being the great rim protector that he is, the Jazz can win the series. But in order to get Dallas to play Dwight Powell, to not space the floor as much, to really kind of shift their approach and try and play bigger, which I don't even think that they can because the Mavs literally don't have the centers. Right. Rudy has to be able to punish them on offense, and he can't. He cannot do it. You saw it in game two. Losing the ball, missing bunnies, fumbling it on a post-up. Cannot do it. And so as long as the Mavs are able to say, we're playing five out, stop it. Daria, let's do it. We're going to switch everything. And that's going to, even though you have guys that can beat the switch, you're not going to be as efficient as we are. Yeah. Unless the Utah Jazz can figure out a way to counter that. And that's before, before I get to Luka Doncic. To me, well, the, the well, Let's circle back on Luka in a bit. But so Steve Jones of, uh, where does Steve write? I can never remember. Um, I, I hear him on the, the really amazing podcast with Nikias Duncan, where they break down all sorts of stuff. He uttered the phrase when describing the series where he said, he, he he talked about whether the jazz were in the mud or whether the jazz were the mud. Right. And I've been thinking about it since he said it because man, I, I cannot believe this, but I feel bad for the jazz and their fans. <laughs> like Chris Vernon went on an absolutely wildly incorrect rant on the, uh, his show with Kevin O'Connor, where he said he blames all this on Rudy. He's like, Rudy is the problem. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. And he's, he's just wrong. The, no one was staying in front of Brunson. And not only that, it looked like no one was trying to stay in front of Brunson where they're like, oh, we're just going to guide him to Rudy. And then when, you know, Maxie started hitting those threes, Rudy's basically stuck in no man's land. Right. It was crazy. So, so th- that's the Seth Partnow argument. That's our, our good friend Seth Partnow. That's, that's the Seth Partnow argument, which is like, precious Rudy's not to blame. It's the, it's the bad perimeter defenders that keep letting my Rudy down. Why they were real bad, though. Rudy? Like, Why? Leave Rudy the- alone. And here's the, my thing. Uh, I watch these plays. And I, I, like this is a genuine question I don't know the math of. And Seth's better at the math than me. Sure. Is a contested layup of Jalen Brunson versus a bad, bad defender, but a bigger one, where he has the step. Is that higher or lesser EV than a Maxi Kleba open three? Or the Oradorian Finney Smith one. I would bet like, before that before this game, a, it has to be Jalen. Like you want to defend the Jalen thing because Maxi Kleba was shooting seventeen percent from three. Percent, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like this, and this is the thing that swings the series is if Kleba shoots like he did the second half of the year, the Jazz can absolutely dominate. Mm-hmm. But like this is really the question: is can Jalen Brunson? Like my argument would be. Jalen Brunson can shoot 52 to 55%, maybe better, right? With, with a step at the rim and on, if they can force him into enough floaters on layups in high usage situations, right? So let's, mm-hmm. let's put it at like 57, right? So yep. out of every 10 possessions, um, we're talking about 5.7 points, right? Or 5.7 inmate shots out of every 10, 10 possessions. Um, so that comes out to 11.4 points Okay. versus if Max is hitting 45% from three, right? Then that's 13.5 points. 
This is the like these are the margins we're literally talking about. The Jazz can't get like they can't not give up both. They they can't. You can't be like because what this becomes, Kirk, is on the Jazz side it becomes well you know those guys would just defend better. Give it up. Donovan Mitchell is not going to keep the edge on on Jalen Brunson. Mike Conley is like thirty five. It's not. And he, he might be. It looks like he's hurt at this point. Like no one's yeah. talking about it, but. They can't keep contain. Like if you're the Jazz, like you have to just like accept. Like we can't keep contain. And so to me, the only way to do this is to punish them back on the offensive end. But to do that, you have to be able to punish the switch with either slips to the basket by the big. Rudy can't do it, or post ups. Rudy can't do it. So this is the combination. If you get into these simple, if you look at the simple possessions and you look at Rudy had to help down or that's a layup. That's not Rudy's fault. You're right. But you need to avoid that situation. You need to keep your players out of a situation where they're having to switch and contain in the perimeter and getting spaced out. Like, would it be better for the Jazz to just have better perimeter defenders? Absolutely. If they had better perimeter defenders, they could win this series, but they don't, they don't have better perimeter defenders. So for me, the way that the jazz are going to have to win it is on offense. And that gets really hard when you switch their efficiency versus switch is still good. It's just not as good versus the regular season drop covers that they see. It's like these little margins are what kills them. It's not like a drastic mismatch. The jazz were in that game. They had a lead in the fourth quarter. I mean, they controlled the game. Trying to understand that tough. They were, and so this is so, so not just game two, but going back to game one, what the Mavericks have done defensively in committing to run the Jazz off the three point line is really fascinating because their volume yeah. on threes is way down. And they, the Mavericks, and, and you know, this was I, was, I went to lunch with a guy today who's he's a fan, but he doesn't really like deep, deep dive into basketball. And the Mavericks seem to essentially saying, we're fine with, with Bogdanovich beating us, like Bogdanovich yeah. beating us, we're just going to take our chances there. And Donovan for some Donovan Mitchell somehow has been put in like Dorian Finney Smith prison and has no, like he's shooting awful. I don't even understand it. It's like, it's watching him and Rudy is not dissimilar than how I felt about when watching Maxi Kleba in March, where it's like a couple of pitchers who go out to the mound and they're not comfortable with any of their stuff. And I just, I don't, I'm going to need to watch this these couple of games again because what Dallas is doing on defense, I understand it from an academic point of view. I do not understand how it is working. It, I mean, look, DFS, I think, is, this year has made the leap from, hey, you know who's a really good defender? Dorian Finney-Smith to, hey, you know who's probably all defense and probably needs to be talked about as one of the best perimeter defenders in the league? Dorian Finney-Smith. And look, that, that jump is huge. Um, there's two things with, with Mitchell, I think, that, that matter here. One... He can't get the step on DFS because he's too long. He's able to keep track of him, right? So he can't just burn him downhill. And so he's not forcing anybody to help to cover for DFS. Everybody's just staying home. There's nowhere to pass to. Two, Donovan doesn't pass. Like, he doesn't want to pass. He doesn't want to. And And that's a really interesting thing. Really interesting thing. Because I think he wants wants to pass to Bogdanovich. I think he wants to pass to Conley and I think he wants to pass to Jordan Clarkson. I think those three guys he's willing to pass to because they're hoopers. And I don't think he's willing to pass to uh, anybody else on, on that. Maybe Royce O'Neal. Maybe I, I, the, the, the lob thing. And I've talked about this a lot with Mavs fans um, in the sense of 
I think Luca has spoiled me for the end of time with how easy he makes very difficult pick and roll lobs look. And the some of the passes they've thrown to Rudy, number one, I don't think Rudy has great spatial awareness in the air, which is that's a tough thing. Like you're the seven foot guy, like you're gonna hit the back where you get through him, whatever. But then two, they sometimes throw him passes like he's like doing fade routes in the back of the end zone, and it's like tips of his fingers. I just, I mean, we're talking about the Jazz more than I intended to, but like so much of this is really about the Jazz because I left game one thinking the Mavericks do not have the horses. Yeah. And now, you know, if Spencer Dinwiddie simply doesn't play terrible because he has been, uh, he's 11 of 33 from the floor. That's impressive. Um, And I'm thinking if they just play okay, Jalen's not going to go for 41 again. Maxie's not going to hit eight threes. Even without Luca, they have a puncher's chance in Utah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like them. I, I like them in Game Three. I will like them in Game Four. I will like them through the door. I will like them on the floor. Like I, I like this team. Um, I like this team in the matchup, and for this specific reason, like the Mavericks when they traded Chris S. Porzingis, were like, screw it let's just go five out and we're going to have a bunch of weapons and we'll just, we'll see how it goes and we'll reconfigure. We'll see what, we'll see what we do this summer. And what they found was like, Oh, Hey, if you just surround good ball handlers that can create with excellent spacing and that doesn't work versus everybody, the warriors in this series would be like, you're welcome to it. Have fun. You don't want, you don't want to shoot anything at the rim. That's good. Cause we don't have any bigs on the floor. Cause we're going to play Draymond at five. That's fine. Could, could you explain real quick? You talk about this and I don't entirely get it. Could you explain what, like, why the Mavericks have such bad rim rate? Also, like, what rim rate is? Yeah, it's just like the percentage of shots at the rim, right? Like, it's just like out of your total allotted percentage, like of your total shots, what's what's your rate of getting to the rim? So, some of the bullshit that Luca takes, like these weird push shots, mm-hmm. like eight feet out, that's that's not factored in because he's not getting to just on, so I understand it definitionally. Him and Brunson are like great at these like six foot area yeah. shots. And right. that, okay, okay. The Mavs drive a ton. Like their drive rate is high. Ah, okay. Their their drive rate is high. They just they don't they don't finish at the rim and they don't need to because they have guys that can hit those shots. Like that's their comfort zone, mm. you know. And so, mm-hmm. um, it, it, look if if they had if they had a traditional, let's say just like theoretically they traded for Gobert this summer, right? Mm-hmm. If they traded for Gobert this summer. Mm-hmm their efficiency there would go way up, not just because, oh, Rudy takes a bunch of shots at the rim, but because defenses like press up on the Mavs because they know they're not going to get to the rim and they're trying to keep them away from those shots. But then Rudy's in the back line and just able to catch lobs and dunk them all day. If This is why like everyone's been yelling, like just get Luca a dominant pick and roll roll threat. Like if you get him Clint Capella, if you get him Rudy Gobert, even if you got him like a John Collins who could pop a little bit and finish on the lob, like, those combo guys and Amari Stoudemire type uh, uh, like adjustment to him. Well, and Dwight Powell's been real good. One of the things Dwight Powell's underrated at is that short roll stuff. And I think teams are going to, I'm not sure what teams are going to do about Luca. We'll pivot to Luca uh, in the jazz series next, but like as Luca continues to grow as a player, you simply have to, I I think the best way to beat Luca is to mix up coverages constantly doing different stuff, almost every possession. And in the big part of this year that people threw soft doubles at him Mm -hmm. and with, with Powell, Powell basically didn't, he learned how to make the right play. Like he was really good in that thing. And so I think that's, 
I, I agree with you that that he's made Powell really excellent at the rim because I mean damn man shooting sixty seven percent from the field, but it's a before Powell Torrey's his Achilles, he was an unreal role man, but now it's just a different level of athleticism. So when we talk about like next level guys, we mean guys that are bigger because Powell is six eleven with the six eleven wingspan. Yeah, like, like I get think a, Powell has a role on this team. Yeah, it's know? just like it's it's the difference between very good and elite. Yeah, and and like look, I think a good example of this is if we kind of go back and we look at the at how they get better every like Luca gets better every year but also the continuity gets better every year and mm-hmm. i think that that matters when we talk about how to beat certain schemes in particular because if you look at it comparatively speaking uh so the, the mavs entire offense is worse than last year right like that's pretty yep. obvious like the mavs just aren't as, as much of an offensive team as last year but in the regular season like last year they were 1.05 points per possession when teams tried to blitz them at the level. Right. Okay. Like with, 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 with that, with Luca. Okay. This season it's 1.047. That's 71st percentile last year, 70th percentile this year. So the offense has gotten worse, but that number has stayed steady, which to me is an indication of, Hey, they got better at this. And a lot of that's because Dwight Powell's become better about, Hey, Luca knows how to get, make the pocket pass between defenders and how to like space them out to make that pass. And then, Dwight knows how to catch the ball and make the read on, on the roll. And that combination of things I think is, is really helpful for them. It's killer versus the jazz, because that's like one of the schemes that outside of drop that they want to run is like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll apply pressure on you at the level. You know, it puts Rudy up high, but at least we can attack you and you can't do that because then they'll just torch you on the interior. And again, wind up with these open three pointers. So there's a reasonable chance Luca plays tomorrow. He was listed as questionable. Um, and I want to talk about that shortly, but let's just make some assumptions that Luca plays in this series. I don't necessarily think he plays tomorrow just because I just have a feeling. I don't know why. Um, but let's assume Luca plays in this series. What what does he do? Like how how does what 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 changes about this series in your opinion if Luca plays? other than the Mavericks, like the, like a lot of people are like, well, Luca, like the, the Mavericks are going to win if Luca plays <laughs> like that part's kind of obvious, but like what, it, so, so how does like the Maverick attack change? Does this, do they go from like bending the jazz to like absolutely breaking them? So I think, here's an interesting question that goes back to that game that they lost. Now they won the next matchup a couple days later, but you remember that game that they lost. I think it was in late February, right? Yeah. It was right after all-star break. Yeah. Where Rudy switched on him. Mm-hmm. He hunted the Rudy switch and, and we've, you and I have talked about this offline, like about how uh, Luca will hunt the toughest matchup. Like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get Giannis on the switch. I'm gonna get LeBron. On the I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna go at these guys. And it's ballsy, and it also like it's deflating as hell. If you're the Bucks and you're like, you're gonna target Giannis. Good luck. Oh, you hit a three. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we're just screwed. The question I kind of have is like, does Luca keep to the game because he has so much control over the offense? Does he keep to the game plan and run either ISO or guard guard pick and roll and keep Maxi in the corner to space Rudy out of it, or does he go? I'm going to attack Rudy Gobert one on one. Like I think I can win this matchup. I think I can beat Rudy Gobert on a bad calf. Like so, that. I don't think he's. I don't think they should do that. I don't either. Okay. Like okay. that's my question. Is like. It's just a matter of I don't know what Luca thinks because after that game, Luca was like, "I like the matchup. I didn't get the call." <laughs> we're, right, we're all just like, 
he's a he's an all world like universe defender. Like he gets like the the discussion we were talking about earlier, where this is where I I just agree with Vernon is is he's in Rudy's able to play in space. They don't ask him to, but he is able to. Yeah. And it's it's probably not discussed about enough because there's so much tape of him getting bombed when he's four foot away from the three point shooter. Yeah. But like I just it's different than Giannis than me because there's a length issue where like like strength does not bother Luca. There will like one of the things that then I, I see if you remember this again against the the Clippers in two years ago uh, in yeah. the bubble. There was one of those games where he moved Kawhi out of the way with a forearm like yeah. he wasn't there. And it happened a lot. And Kawhi is Kawhi is one of the five strongest players in the league. Like it's one of his, it's like his hidden superpower that people don't think about because he's just, he just gets where he wants to go. And I think like length still, and maybe always will bother Luca because it impacts his vision and it impacts his arc. And Rudy just get that big old hand up, stay in front of him. Wingsman. Like he's just, he's, he's bigger than Giannis and he's longer than Giannis. And I think that's where, where this sort of stuff matters. It's like, there's very few like people that can really bother Luca. And that's why I hope they, they stay away from that sort of mismatch because it's not like Rudy is unlike Giannis Rudy. He's, he's obviously a help defender, but he's not necessarily playing those lanes the way a Giannis was. Cause Giannis just like lurks backside. Whereas Rudy's up there kind of trying to stop the rim penetration. Yeah, exactly. So and that's kind of that to me is the question. The Jazz, if, if you're Rudy Gobert in that situation, and your your call is to switch, which they'll have to. You can't give Luka mid range; you'll die. Um, and a call is to switch. You're you're hoping that you see Maxi, your guy Maxi Kleba, mm-hmm. going up to set a screen. You're like, okay, I could do this. I can play. I can play up, and I can contain Luka. I like will win this matchup more times than not. It's when you get Rudy where he can't help down because he'll give up the three and he can't stay home because he'll give up the layup like you don't even run to run pick and roll just iso like just have luca if you want to target somebody target mike conley just mm. and i love mike conley but like run guard guard switch get mike conley on luca You're, conley will have nothing to do there he's not strong enough to handle luca's strength he's not quick enough to stay in front of him he's not gonna be able to disrupt his handle Luca will be able to get layups or easy shots that he wants to take. And as long as he can hit them, like that's the other part of this, right? Sure. With the calf injury, like you got to yeah. have your lift to not, if you're going to, if you're not going to be like, like if you're going to be taking the little step backs, you got to be able to plant, you got to be able to do this. But if you could do that, then I, I do think they can win the series. If they're disciplined with their game plan on both ends of the floor, I do, because look, the answer for this, for me with the jazz, it's not that Rudy's the problem. It's that Rudy's not the answer. It's that what you need to do is you either you need to go to somebody that you have not gone to, and you need to play Pascal. Uh, Isabuki's out or Rudy Gay, and then like it's like oh the minutes haven't been good there. It's not about that. It's about the matchup. Like that's that's what this is about. It's about the matchup. It's about being able to punish them. But then you go five out on the other side, and you're spacing the Mavs out, and you've got maybe a little bit better chance to attack them. You're still going to have the problem of they don't have, they don't have perimeter contain, but you you're juicing the offense in such a way where there's not a guy that they don't have to worry about in Rudy Gobert. Like that to me is the counter, but they'll never go to that because they paid Rudy Mm. Gobert $35 million. Right. Well, then there's also the other side of the ball. So I think it's being under discussed, but a big part of why the Mavericks are playing defense so well is that Luca is not on the floor. 
Um, Luca yeah. has Luca's turned into a net neutral defender, and I think given enough given enough time in the league, there are going to be matchups in certain games where he can be a okay defender. Like he guards Brandon Ingram really well for some reason because he's strong. The same sort of thing. But then there's other matchups where he's not great. Um, against them, does this change? And, and would this be the kind of matchup where the mat where the Jazz could take advantage of of Luca's you know presence on defense? Yeah, I think especially on the bad calf, right? Like that'll be the move. Mm. Is all right. You want to play small ball and you want to switch everything because the Jazz are excellent. If you have to play drop, they're just they're killer versus that. If all right, you want to play switch everything? Fine. Donovan's gonna gonna force the switch onto Luca, and he's gonna make him work every possession. And we're gonna hammer that that we're gonna hammer that over and over and over again. And that becomes a battle, right? Because if Luca holds his own and Donovan keeps shooting terribly and doesn't convert, if Luca wins that battle, the Jazz are gonna get flustered. And especially because like this is the tension that the Jazz have talked about all year. Like all year, they've they've taken shots at each other in the media over this. Is like Rudy and Ingles when he was on the team were like, we need to stick with the game plan. We just need to play drop. We're good at that. Like, let's just do this. Keep discipline. We're good there. Um, or, or, you know, let's run our offense. Let's keep the motion. Let's keep moving the ball and, and creating our offense, trust the system. And Donovan Mitchell is like in the playoffs, you have to target guys. Like you have to exploit weaknesses. And I think the difference there as it's kind of gone along is there's a kind of a question of can Donovan Mitchell do that? Cause I don't know if he can right now he's playing so terribly. And so if, even if, if the risk there, obviously is the injury, right? You just wear Luca out and he suffers a re-injury or whatever, but that's a yep. separate question. But if they're going to switch everything, there's no way to hide him. And it's going to become Donovan's going to say, I'm going to go at you on a bad cap, make you work to wear you down. And I think I can beat you. But if Luca wins that matchup, it's equally devastating. Cause now the rest of the, of the jazz are like, can we just trust the offense? Can we play team basketball and not play one-on-one ISO? This is why the switch is so effective in the playoffs, Kirk, is like it bogs everything down and it dares you to make, you know, hey, if you could beat this one-on-one defense where no one's out of position and no one's helping, good luck to you and you've got us, but you're going to have to beat us that way. It's interesting because it's like the Mavericks offense all year long was kind of a grindy garbage fest. And now it's like, it's the grindy garbage fest Super Bowl known as the playoffs where <laughs> where they have three dudes in theory that can theoretically, you know, get a shot in these situations. Um, all right. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but you're always great talking basketball. So how what has this series been like to bet on? What have the markets been like? Because this strikes me as an information like there's just no real information. It feels like we're in like 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 a like a, a spy series because it's like Luca got upgraded to questionable today, which feels insane. Like I still don't think he's gonna play. But what yeah. was so what's happening with the betting and what are you seeing? All right. So first I'll talk about before the series. There was it was late to the market on everything because they were trying to wait for as much information as possible. Once it was like, hey, it's probably not gonna be the first two games. They opened up some of it. My angle that I talked about on our podcast and in written form was hey, don't bet it now. Wait until after game one. The Jazz are gonna win game one. And then I'm going to bet the Mavericks. And that's what I did. The Mavericks were fought plus 500, five to one to win the series after game one. That was up from like plus 180. And it was like, oh no, no, Luca. And what are they going to like? They're like your reaction. They don't have the horses. And I bet Mavericks to win game two. And I bet the Mavericks to win the series plus 500. And I feel good now. And if the Jazz win the next, next two, I'll be like, ah, well, that's them's the breaks, right? Um, 
So here's what was interesting. The line for game three opened Jazz at home minus eight. Okay, eight point favorites. It then on Tuesday, the report comes out from Shams. Hey, Lucas questioning. It's going to be game three or game four, probably. Like he could play in game three or game four. And the line moves all the way to six and a half. It goes a point and a half the other direction. Not the full amount. And this is where like it gets interesting. Um, There are people that cap his value to the spread at roughly five points, which to put that in perspective, LeBron's like six. Paul George is three and a half. So it's a point Uh, and a half more than Paul George to the spread. Pretty good. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? Like that makes sense for how pivotal he is to to the Mavericks. Um, What I read as the six and a half move from eight was one, they probably got hit with Mavs bets immediately after the report came out that he could play. And then two, they probably basically averaged it out. If you've got him like three and a half points, like there is an estimate that says he's worth about three and a half points of the spread. Some books don't go that far on individual players. And if you think he's worth about three and a half to four points, you move one and a half and you let the market decide which way to go with it. With the expectation of if they really think he's going to play, they're going to hammer six and a half and we'll move it to six. It dropped to six when he got to questionable. Mm. But it's back up to six and a half which to me kind of indicates that there's like a, there was an immediate public reaction of Luke is going to play. And the sharps were like, I will take the six. Like I'll, I'll go ahead and grab six. Okay. So that's interesting. That makes sense to me too, because it's like Luca's, I I think that, and and this has been a fun like like reminder of how the NBA and really betting like the, the injury declarations, the NBA takes that shit very seriously. And this has been a reminder. So it's like when Luca was listed as doubtful, he was not playing. There was no question to whether he was playing. He was not playing, but like he was, I don't really know why they didn't list him as out. I don't understand those nuances, but it's safe to assume at that point, like night, like there, it's like a 3%. I, somebody told me it's like a 3% chance when a person is listed as doubtful that they actually end up suiting up. And that matters because, you know, Rick Carlisle, previous Mavericks head coach used to screw around with the injury report way too much. And it, with all the betting and money involved in this, the NBA has to like this information warfare bullshit. It like it's coming. It, they're going to find a way to get a lot of this stuff out of it as more money heads into to to basketball. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just say this, like, um, like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait. And if Luca doesn't play, which I don't I'm with you, I don't expect him to play. I think that they're even though upgrading to questionable is a pretty big deal. Usually when a guy upgrades from where he was out to questionable, that's a, that's a very strong indicator he's going to play. I don't think he plays, though. And when he doesn't, the line will go back the other way. And I think I can get a seven. And I'm going to wait and just get the best number. Now, like, I will like Dallas here. Not any number, right? I want I want at least two possessions. I want free throws, basically, here. I want this over four is where I would I, I want it. The problem is, like, if Luke is announced in, that six and a half is going to go to four, four and a half, at best five like that. So it's like, if you think Luke is going to play, you should absolutely be betting. And now, cause you have EV, if you mm. do not think Luke is going to play, you can wait. And then it's going to go back the other way. And if you like the Mavericks, you can bet it. If you like the jazz, on the other hand, you should absolutely wait to see if Luca plays and then bet the jazz. Like if this overreacts and this goes, I can't see it going to like three, right. That's an insane jump. Um, but if everybody's just like, Oh my gosh, Luke is back in, blah, blah, blah. And it, it goes that far. Then sure, I would probably be looking at like Mavericks minus three and a, or Mavs or sorry Jazz minus three and a half here at home. Luca first game back, like they can still win a game in. They can win a game at home 
even with all these tactical advantages I've talked about, just because they can hit shots. Like that's that's definitely possible. Um, but I will just tell you, like I bet the Mavs to win the series after game one. Um, I will probably wait until game three and see how it goes, especially if the Jazz win game three. I'm going to bet again on the Mavericks to win the series. Even if they're down 2-1, I will bet them to win the series. I think they're going to win the series. I sort of think that we, the insane Mavs fan base, and if you are listening to this, you are in that group, have berated you on social media to the point to where now you're broken about the Mavs officially. So you're like, I'm just going to bet them. And I'm going to, so maybe these crazy, crazy screwballs will leave me alone. No, I, I, I find that interesting because it's just like the lack of confidence in the jazz is so existential and it's, it goes back to what we've already talked about, but it's just like, it's, it's just, it's uncomfortable. It's like dread. And like the closest thing I've experienced to that as a Mavs fan was, you and you I, you remember this like when the Mavericks played Denver in 09 and like Dirk was just a basketball god and it did not matter did not matter and there's just nothing you can do in in some of these things and like the Jazz are kind of more fundamentally broken than that with with the fact that they have a group of pieces that work and don't seem to care that they work <laughs> and like that's just so weird to me I don't know I mean they work but here's the thing is like they don't work once you make these very small ta- like they're not they they only have one pitch. They don't. They're a one song. Like they're just going out there and, and playing that thing you do. That's mm-hmm. it. And that's they don't have it. They don't have deep cuts. They don't have variations. And I don't. I, I to be honest with you, I don't even think that that's coaching. It's not a coaching problem. It's that you have this dynamic. If you had an elite set of perimeter of perimeter protectors or perimeter defenders, you could play differently. If you had like the Suns backcourt instead then you could play differently even with rudy but you can't and so like they're just they're stuck it's the same way i feel about damian lillard and use of nurkic they can't do anything but play drop they can't Mm -hmm. you can't play like nurkic has to play drop but you could be successful with drop if dame's better at getting over a screen but he's not not. switch (laughs) it's like when you get those combinations you're just kind of screwed and that's why i think we're going to see a lot of changes this summer i also say like look that team doesn't trust each other Nope. It's just that's been evident from the the blowout losses, the way that those blowout losses have gone, their body language, their post game comments. It's not hard to figure out that that team doesn't trust each other, and I I just don't think there's much value in betting on or believing in a team that doesn't trust each other. No. We're going to end on that note. This has been excellent and really fun. Um, the playoffs, it's nice to have a playoff series with this level of variation because, for example, if the Mavericks had to play like a healthy Suns team, it's just, it's not fun for me to talk about and because you might not have to, though, Kirk. Like, I'll right. tell you, my guy Raheem Palmer, who bets tens of thousands of dollars on these games, he's betting Mavericks to win oh. the Western Conference right now. Wow. Play right now. Wow. Like, it's lining up right like get this jazz team that's broken get luca back in time to win it devin booker's out with a hamstring suns are in a a pretty weird spot right now i haven't gone into mavs suns film enough to break it down well they played all those games they played all four games before they traded porzingis none of it's it's useless yeah so Um, i i I have to do a lot of work around that to figure out what i'm going to think about it but if i think it's going to be mavs and and sons which i still kind of do even with the pelican surprising me um i i just i I don't think that you're i i think you're being i'm not just doing this because mavs fans have bullied me have literally just bullied me on the internet 
uh, I do think you're being overly fatalist. Like you've got a real oh, shot at the conference finals. Well, I, I was more thinking about in terms of a round one series. Like yeah. there's like the Nuggets are playing the Warriors right now, and there's just this sense of like Thanos like inevitability that's not there's just nothing fun to talk about because the, the Nuggets are so busted. Um injury wise, like you're missing two of your top three players. What are you gonna do against the the sun? Uh that is that is the flamethrower that the Warriors are right now. But this jazz series is like legitimate nerdy basketball greatness like if you like watching break and, and so you you love doing film breakdowns so it's like you've probably had a ball like looking at some of this weird shit over and over again yeah so. it's really fascinating so I, I think it's a it's a great series it's under the radar i think it's gonna go long and it's gonna get interesting and when luke is back i do think it's gonna be fascinating um you know we'll see i, I think a lot of it is i'm fascinated by watching this jazz team you know because mm-hmm. like sports are are fun and and there is kind of this this moment of like, look, you're up against the most adversity. This is a great moment for you to rally, for you to, like, finally have that breakthrough. This is an opportunity for you. I don't think you will. I don't believe you will. But I'm open to you proving me I'm wrong. And so that's an opportunity to, to watch. And then on top of it is just, like, that map, like the Mavs have a real – dull year they've been like nobody believes in us that's that thing is real and that well nobody's known how to talk about them because this was our issue you and i talked about them in the season it's like they're weird and then it should not work and then it just continues to work Work. and let's just watch the basketball and have a great time yep thanks so much matt thanks for having me all right we'll talk soon i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.